All right, welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month program. It's Steve Anderson. Welcome today. We've got a great mentor in Dr. Ken Chapman. Ken is a native of North Carolina. In fact, he jokes that he's uh, one of only 12 native North Carolinians left. <laughs> uh, born and raised in North Carolina. Um, has a great practice that he has built and run for many, many years. Uh, a great clinician, uh, which we'll talk about some of that clinical training here in just a moment. Um, here's why I ask Ken to be our mentor of the month this month, is uh, there's a lot of people who do really well in dentistry and do a great job. And there's some who know how to do it and they know why they do it they know how they do it and then there's a third group that they know and they know how and they're able to explain it to other people in a way that they can use it so reason i asked dr chapman to be with us today is he has taken the time based on conversations that he's had with younger dentists and dentists and dental students to actually write out uh, the biggest factors that he has found that have made a difference in his practice. And there's not very many dentists that I've met who have taken the time to actually think through what they're doing and what they're doing that works and put it in a concise way that makes sense. So Ken, welcome and thanks for being our mentor of the month this month. Thanks. And uh, we're gonna walk through verbally some of the things that you have taken time uh, to sit down and write out so that you have clear thoughts that make sense to another dentist. So, uh, as you know, Crown Council is filled with uh, all kinds of dentists in different stages of their career. Uh, dental students, we have some dental student members. We have young our young dentist program that continues to grow, those that have been out of school less than five years. Uh, we have all different stages of practice, including uh, our now emeritus group that has been part of the crown council for years and continues to share and and uh, do good so you've got a broad audience today and uh, what i'm going to start out with is we just finished or we're actually this coming weekend uh, we'll have the the last weekend of our 2019 young dentist program uh, so we had a large group of young dentists and we're going to share this program with them so for starters, uh, if you were in front of 50 young dentists uh, and we're going to share, had a few minutes to share some of the most important things you wish someone had told you early on in practice, what would be at the top of your list? Ooh, okay. Um, well, the first thing that I always try to get across to young dentists is don't think you have to know everything. You, you need to be willing to ask for help and to learn from people who've been at this a lot longer than you have. And one of the reasons, part of the genesis of writing it down into a book was I wasn't sure that dentistry really did a great job of that. I had a fantastic clinical background from dental school but I didn't learn much about running a practice. I learned very little about managing and working with people. And that's as much, or that's as important, I think, at least as good clinical skills. 
uh, because we're not treating teeth, we're treating people. And how to manage them is important and how to manage a team is important. No, and I would tell them nothing is more important than building a great team. You can't do this alone, I, I don't try. Uh, I got some great advice when I was starting out, I, I write about in the book, hire yourself a good lawyer and a good accountant. Don't try to do everything yourself. Uh, let professionals help you. Um, and, and said, find another dentist who can be a good mentor uh, and, and talk to them, somebody who's uh, got a few years under their belt because chances are if they're like me and they're willing to admit it, uh, we've made some mistakes, things we shouldn't have done that we learned the hard way. And you don't have to learn it the hard way. Let's make it easy on, on you. This business is tough enough. So, so get, get some good help. That'd be the first thing I'd probably tell them. It is the first thing I tell them. Uh, tell, tell us about one of your first dentist mentors early on in your career. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, no question, Lee Salisbury. Okay. Uh, Dr. Salisbury was the chief of oral medicine at North Carolina Baptist Hospitals uh, where I did my GPR. Uh, Lee is a wonderful mentor and a, a wonderful friend. And he was the one that early on told me what I'm looking for in our residents is someone who wants to be the best general dentist they know how to be. And I want to help them do that. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but leaving dental school, I was a little bit unclear as to what being a good general dentist really meant. Uh, I had great clinical instructors and some great backgrounds, but they were all academics. They were very much focused on specialty care. I uh, wasn't sure what a general dentist really could do or should be doing. And Lee taught me that you can do just about whatever it is you want to do. And being a general dentist can be the greatest satisfaction uh, of anything because you can pick and choose. You're not locked into one certain thing. So I learned so much from Lee uh, early on about how to be a really good general dentist. I learned to do a lot of surgery from Lee. Uh, Lee was uh, one of my mentors in learning IV sedation, which I still use in my practice, uh, have for you know nearly 30 years. Uh, Lee was helpful in, in teaching me how to do some good endodontics, even though he'd tell you he's not a very good endodontist. Um, but uh, he actually is a great teacher. So I, that, that would be first on my list, probably. He also taught me some really funny lessons, and we talk about those in the book sometimes that, you know, he, he told me early on, this business will wreck your body and it'll wreck your mind. And I try to have, a, I have a chapter in the book about how not to let it wreck your body and wreck your mind. Um, but all right, tell us about that. Give us some tips on, on how to keep healthy physically and mentally based on what you learned. Yeah, it, this business is tough on your neck and back, especially. There's no way to get around that. But start early with good ergonomic chairs and be conscientious of your position. 
one of the best things I did following Lee's advice was early on uh, in private practice, we hired uh, a dental ergonomic expert to come in and help us with the design of the office and our equipment. And that I think has helped uh, somewhat in preserving my back and my assistant's backs because it can be really tough uh, the way we have to, positions we have to get ourselves into. Uh, now, as for how to keep it from wrecking your mind, I don't know. That we spent a lot of time laughing about as I wrote that chapter. Lee laughed with me, but said, is this the best, best you got from me? And I'm like, well, Lee, you did teach me that uh, you just don't know what's going to come through that door. And I have had some really interesting patients over the years and some really interesting staff members and they're a great source of entertainment. I don't know that I would take anything in the world for them, but some of them I'm kind of glad I didn't have to see too many times. It's, it's just uh, the, nature, the nature of the beast. And you have to, I do tell young people going into this business, develop a thick skin. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're probably gonna be told you're hated at least once a day. And <laughs> right. I, put the, I put those lines in the book that, where, where, you know, the, somebody comes in and says, Doc, I'd rather be anywhere but here. Well, yeah, I mean, I say I'd rather be on a Jamaican beach sipping a red stripe and listening to Bob Marley. I mean, that's a lot more fun than getting a tooth fixed. But, you know, I'm here to fix teeth and you need one fixed. So let's let's help each other. Um, or the, the one that's the best, I think, is I'd rather have a baby than get this tooth fixed. And I'm like, really? Really? Well, Tell me what you intend to do so I know where to sit. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, but, uh, so I tell, I tell young folks, you need to get ready for that part of it too, because it, it's a little rough some days. You're here, you're a perfectionist if you're a dentist, you probably love what you do, you wanna help people, and some of them are gonna tell you they're not real happy about being here to get help. Not all of them, not, but it happens and be ready for it. They don't mean it personally, but boy, when they come in and say, doc, don't take it personally, but I hate you and everything you do. Well, gosh darn, how do I take that personally? Mm, man, no, it's really not meant to be, but you better be ready for it. And so how personally you can, in addition to developing a thick skin, how do you keep yourself mentally healthy? You've been doing this for a while. I think I, still, I think you still got it all together from what I've been able to tell. Uh, well, you know, uh, well, I, I, I drink. I mean, I don't know what everybody else does, but alcohol is what solves most of the problem. <laughs> Cigar may be helping. No, uh, that one of the things is dentistry is such a blessing that it allows you to develop some activities outside of the office too. And I think that's, that's important. Uh, I still try to get to the gym a few times a week. Uh, I have some classic cars that I enjoy working on. And even though that's frustrating sometimes too, it's also a way to, to, to give you an outlet. Uh, I uh, play a little golf. Um, and so those kind of things I think are helpful. You gotta have something outside of the office. Dentistry is your profession, but it doesn't need to be your whole life. Uh, and another thing that it really has blessed me to do is, is to be able to travel. 
And I love doing that. And to get away from the office a little while or travel and do some mission work, which is also a lot of fun and very, very rewarding. So that helps protect your mind. And, and let me just say something else about that that I think is really important, Steve. Everybody, me included, gets down on our practice sometimes. We get frustrated. We get angry. We've had a few bad days in a row or a bad month or whatever it is. It's going to happen. And one of the best ways to break out of that is to go do something good for other people. Boy, that will get your mindset back. Find a mission project close by. Uh, go talk to a group of people about uh, oral hygiene. There's so many things that you can do right around you. Our dental society has enough projects. They could keep me busy all the time. I try to do as many of them as I can. Those things really help when you get those moments that you're just not, you're just kind of down on what you do and you have to get out of it. There is, uh, just to add on to that, we just finished up our, our Eagle University uh, week recently with 250 high school and college students. And we had a, 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 a virtual guest appearance from the governor of Kentucky who cited a very interesting study that they did with exercise uh, compared to doing good. And what they found is that the, the physical and emotional benefits of doing good, like you have just said, sometimes can even outweigh the benefits of physical exercise, which I thought was really interesting. I'm, I'm paraphrasing the, the study, but it was, an, it was a fascinating study. So you're spot on. Well, I've never done one of those mission projects, whether it be local or whether we've traveled somewhere that I didn't get far more out of it than I put in. Yeah. It just works that way. And it really does renew your spirit when you come back to your practice. And, and I think everybody in the Crown Council that has participated in our humanitarian expeditions we've done now for well over a decade in the Dominican Republic and Guatemala and <clears throat> Nepal would echo that same, that same sentiment. It's a, it's a game changer. Uh, can I go back real quick to your mentor relationship with, with Lee Salisbury? Because I think it's a great example <clears throat> and I wanna highlight two things. Uh, one, I'd like you to characterize that relationship over the years. That's somebody that you met early on in your career but you maintained a relationship with him. Yes, um, we did. And, and I don't think you ever asked him to be your mentor with those words. I don't, I don't think you ever used those words, but could you share with us how you've maintained that relationship over the years? Just, and I'm going to get granular with you here for just a minute, but how, how have you maintained and kept that relationship going? Well, some of it happened by chance. Um, long story, but I'll make it short. Uh, yes, Lee was said chief of oral medicine at Baptist Hospital where I did my residency. I learned a lot of things from Lee then. Lee really had me kind of pulled to staying in hospital dentistry. And that's what I kind of thought I wanted to do. Uh, I, I loved working uh, in that environment. It was intellectually stimulating. We got to do 
a lot of uh, good things for people, help them with their dental health where it was necessary for their medical health. There's a lot of good going on there. But the economics of dentistry and medicine didn't get along real well together. And in 1997, uh, the dental department that I worked for was sold to a private company and they fired me. Uh, so I was out of a job and I went to start a practice uh, because I didn't, I wanted to buy one, but there wasn't one available. Uh, so I, I uh, at least nearby, I would have had to have moved and my wife didn't want to do that. And I didn't want to, Put her through that she'd already been dragged through dental school so um we started to practice well lee salisbury who had been such a force in oral medicine at baptist hospital now suddenly was just another corporate dentist he wasn't allowed to do the kind of things that he had been doing for so many years the relationships he had developed with many departments throughout the hospital were being severed purely for the sake of money. And I get that. It's a business. I understand that. But uh, Lee couldn't take it. It just was not what he wanted to do. So after I had been uh, away and in my own practice for about four years, Lee came to me and said, I can't take it anymore. I'm going out on my own. Will you help me? And Lee actually moved into the office space that was next door to myself and Dr. Owens. And um, so he had taught me so much and here he was right next door still teaching me, but he would probably say I was learning all the while at the same time. Uh, and uh, he's retired now, but I, I used to run over there still uh, since it was next door. Lee, I got, you know, so-and-so in the chair and they've got this oral lesion and I don't really know what it is. Can you come take a look for a second? And we continued like that for 15 more years. Uh, so uh, that's how we kept a relationship going <laughs> by necessity. But, but pretty cool how you as the mentee became a mentor in, in a way. <laughs> He'd say that. I'm not really sure that was true. I don't know how much we actually helped him, but but he he would say a lot, I think. But uh, again, I got more than I gave. Yeah. Um, so I, the point I just wanted to highlight is, you know, we we talk a lot in the Crown Council about the whole mentor concept. We talk about it everywhere in everything we do, and and sometimes I think people confuse that kind of relationship, which is just kind of an ongoing, uh, you know, it's give and take. You learned a lot from him, he learned a lot from you. And, but at no point did you ever say, will you be my mentor? I don't think you ever no, used that word, but. It, it didn't work that way. And I'm, I'm not really sure that it, that it does most of the time, but I do think if you feel comfortable, as especially a seasoned practitioner, make yourself open yeah. Uh, so that others can ask you questions and feel comfortable bringing problems. You know, I don't know it, the young dentists I've talked to that think they're the only ones who've run into this problem. Right. And I'm like, no, no, no. It happens to all of us. Believe me. Let's talk about how to make it not such a big deal. 
And I don't know that we always do a good job at that. Hats off to him for asking for help too. Cause I think that's at the end of the day, that's, uh, that's how it all works. You have a, a, <clears throat> uh, some great season team members that you, that have worked with you for a long time. You have a business partner that you practiced with for many, many years. That is an amazing relationship. You're a relationship guy and uh, you, your track record would, would indicate that you figured out how to build and maintain meaningful relationships with your patients, with your team, with a business partner. Share with us how maybe some things that you've learned along the way that's made a difference in that area. Ooh, uh, gosh. You know, I wish I knew sometimes the right answers to how that works. Uh, maybe some of it's luck. Uh, maybe some of it's the power of prayer. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know uh, all those kind of answers. But one thing I, I learned way back uh, from my parents is it's a good idea to treat people the way you'd like to be treated and the, the, the sort of golden rule concept. Uh, and yeah, I've got the title and all those initials that come after my name, but I'm no better than anybody else. And I don't know everything. And sometimes being willing to admit that and being open to that and to learn, you know, I, I saw this as a resident. This was interesting. My, my first year of residency, now I'm, I'm just out of dental school. I, I, I've got a brand new DDS and I've got a brand new license and all that. And, and I saw some other folks around me in similar positions who they were the doctors. One of the things I found out very quickly at my residency is we had dental assistants in the hospital who had been working as dental assistants longer than I'd been alive. <laughs> That's right. You can learn a lot from a dental assistant who's been assisting for 35 years, if you're open to it. But if you think you're superior because the initials after your name or the amount of time you spent in school, you're really giving up a whole lot of wisdom that, that, that can be gained. So yeah, treat people like you'd like to be treated. And remember, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Uh, I think that's, and I try to treat my staff that way. I, I, I give them the old thing. It, it's God, family, and the Green Bay Packers in that order. Uh, and so you just, uh, um, we, try to, we try to be open to their ideas. We try to edify them every chance we get. Uh, Ron and I compliment each other on that in a lot of ways. Um, it, it's, uh, so I don't really know how we did it. Uh, uh, other than a little bit of blind luck and just be very conscious about the way you treat people because it matters. Uh, amen to that. Uh, let me switch gears real quick, <clears throat> excuse me, to the clinical side of things. You have gone through a clinical journey. You started out today uh, saying, don't, don't think you have to know everything. Uh, and in looking at all of the things you've done over the years in terms of clinical development, you've done a lot. Uh, you've continued to learn and map that out. One of the, the qualified, Crown Council qualified member requirements is 
that we have is that you have consistently have a two-year continuing education plan. So you're always thinking out, what am I going to learn next? Where do I need to develop more? Uh, maybe just share with us quickly highlights of your clinical journey that have been the most meaningful to you and the most helpful, as well as what you're looking forward to. Um, who? Uh, well, a lot of things have changed since I graduated from dental school. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a big difference just in the device that allows this conversation and how that has affected dentistry. Yeah. Uh, when I left school, there were still a lot of practices running off of pegboards and doing fine with it. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't envision back in the late 80s that there would be a day when you would take an impression with a camera and a mill would make a crown that fits better than a lost wax casting. Yeah. We never imagined such a thing. Uh, not in our wildest dreams would that have been possible. Yet now I do it almost every day. And so, you, you know, I look at too, like studying over the years, different bonding systems for how to get things to stick to teeth. And boy, the science and technology has evolved in bonding. We couldn't do a decent posterior composite when I was in dental school. We still packed amalgam and everything. We even had an elective for how to do a gold foil. Okay, some state board wanted you to pack one. Uh, don't see too many gold foils done anymore. Right. Um, so what I tried to do as I saw these things changing, I tried to look for good continuing ed, especially uh, something that allowed hands-on, because I tend to learn better that way if I can get my hands on it, to try to keep up with the digital advances and bonding advances, because those seem to be the two things that were driving dentistry forward. Um, Implant technology kind of crept in at the side into my practice. I, I, I got a great background uh, in dental implants from the Midwest Implant Institute up in uh, Worthington, Ohio. While I was at the hospital, they allowed me to, to take their program and I learned a great, great deal about that, but I really didn't do that much with it. But in the last five years, I've gone back to those manuals and pulled them out as we're doing more implants now than ever uh, because they've gotten so much more predictable. Just don't do parcels and bridges much anymore. Implants have taken over. So look at all that change that's taken place in just 25 years. So boy, you do have to stay on top of it. What do I look forward to? Hey, I think the sky's the limit. I think we're gonna continue to make those kind of advances. There's no doubt digital dentistry is here to stay and is gonna do nothing but get better and cheaper and you better be ahead of that curve uh, because patients love it. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's an all around win, win, win. Um, I, I don't know what the next thing will be beyond that, but there seems to be no limit to what computers can do uh, to help you help your patients. So that's kind of my focus right now is staying on top of this digital age. If, uh, if you're starting all over today, knowing what you know now, 
in every area of practice, what would you do and or what would you do differently? Oh, dear, dear, dear. Um, well, I say in the book, it's very hard to cold start a practice with two of you because it essentially cuts your growth rate in half. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made. Uh, now, Ron and I have been great. It's been a great partnership. Don't I, I, I make it real clear. Don't misread that. But it really, really hurts. Also, too, the best thing to do is don't cold start one if you don't have to. Ron and I have bought three practices and merged them in with ours over the years, which has been spectacular for growth. Best investment probably a dentist ever makes is buy a practice. Um, and so I, I, would, I would certainly have looked at that. Uh, if I had it to do over again, my first thought would be try, try to buy a practice. Um, what else? Gosh. Uh, if, if I'm starting out today, well, if finances would permit, I, I would still have a CAD CAM machine in my office, even if I was just starting out. I'd find, I'd find a way to get that thing financed because it has been a, a great, great advance for Chapman and Owens. And I, I believe it's, it's allowed us to do better things for our patients in a much more efficient manner. So I, I'd, I'd really look to that. Um, the, uh, yeah, don't, that kind of stuff, I tell you, that's, that's a complicated thing. We were the first practice in this area to go digital with our radiographs. Hmm. And um, we were kind of out on a limb there, but, but we basically, we dumped that processor pretty quickly after we got started. And my staff couldn't have been happier because nobody had to stick around on Friday afternoon and clean the darn thing. <laughs> so, uh, and um, it, it uh, so yeah, I, I would be sure you're forward thinking, but uh, I would tell them if you can buy a practice, that's the best, best investment you'll make. Got it. What haven't we covered, Ken, that you've covered in the book that everybody ought to know? Um, hmm. Let's see. We said hire a good accountant and a good lawyer. That's yep. very important. Um, yeah. Maybe the one thing I would have to say is if you really want to not do one of the worst things I've done is don't live your life in fear of living your life. Uh, fear is a hard thing for me to overcome. I, I, I'm, I'm shy and I'm, uh, I have a self-esteem problem. I always have. Uh, I'm a lot better than I used to be, but that's kept me sometimes from making the changes and making the decisions that I needed to. Uh, it, it, it's, don't do that. Uh, don't make that mistake because it's okay uh, if you don't get it right the first time. Most people don't, but I'm scared to death to fail and I shouldn't be because I have done it and it works out okay anyway. So I would definitely have to say that. Um, I, it, it's, it's a short chapter in the book, but it's, it's an important one. Uh, don't, to me, don't shut God out of your practice. Um, a relationship with a higher power has 
kept me going in the worst of times. And so don't, uh, don't do that. Uh, God wants to be there for you. He wants to help you. He wants to help your practice. He wants to help you help your patients. Let him. Um, those would be two things that we, that we didn't mention um, that, uh, that are pretty important. Because um, I've, I've, let, I've let fear hold me back. And I, I shouldn't do that. I, I know not to, but it, it's hard for me. Thank you, Ken, for uh, sharing with us. That is a, uh, a career's worth of, of summarized advice. And I think the most important thing is you got a lot left. And oh, uh, I'm not done. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot, more, so. a lot more to come. With your permission, I'm going to include uh, with this recording on the Crown Council website a copy of the book for download, if that's all right with you. It's absolutely all right. It's perfect. That's, uh, I, I'm happy to send a copy to anybody who wants one or talk to them about it. Uh, I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Uh, the, only, the only goal I had when I wrote it was to try to help uh, some young folks not make some of the same mistakes that I did. And I've shared it with a lot of people, but never a format this big, this opportunity. Oh man, I'm, I'm just thrilled that you asked me and would be thrilled that you would put a link to let people download that. If it can help a few folks uh, not make my mistakes, I'm all, I'm all in. Well, I, I uh, voice, I think from a lot of people, like I said, when, when we started, I think it's, you know, to, to be able to do well is great <clears throat> to know what some of the secrets were that he'd be able to, to do that is, is a next step, but taking the time to then put it in a format to communicate it to others is a gift. So yeah. for, for doing that. Yeah. You can put a little note in there too, that some of it's a little bit tongue in cheek. That's intentional. <laughs> that's you. That's the beauty. It's got your personality in it. That's my style. Uh, uh, Chris, who's been up here helping us, has been collecting some of my sayings that uh, the staff gets a kick out of. You may get hit with some of those later, but yes. Uh, so uh, anybody who has some questions about is he serious or is this really just his bizarre sense of humor, uh, have him send me an email. I'll be glad to answer that. Got it. All right. So to that point, give us, give us your email for those who are listening. It's Dr. Chapman, D-R-C-H-A-P-M-A-N, at CanDoSmiles, C-A-N-D-O-S-M-I-L-E-S.com. Perfect. That's, that's the office address, so. Yeah. You're the best. Ken, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time to share with us, and thanks for being oh. our Crown Council Mentor of the Month. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Have fun. So my thanks again to Dr. Ken Chapman for being our Crown Council Mentor of the Month uh, again this month with some good advice. If you'd like a copy of his thoughts, his book, you can download that at crowncouncil.org in the training section under Mentor of the Month. With this recording, there's a PDF download of his entire book. Uh, or as he mentioned, you can email him at drchapman at CanDoSmiles.com. And uh, just put book in the subject line. Uh, mention that you watched this uh, 
watched or listened to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month and you'd like a copy of his book. A uh, lot of good messages and reminders in what he shared with us today. Thanks for joining us for the uh, Mentor of the Month this month. And we'll talk to you soon at the next, our next episode of the Crown Council Mentor of the Month.